Welcome to the Crescent Podcast. I'm Leanne. This podcast is an extension of my personal philosophy and commitment to continual growth in all areas of life. I firmly believe that optimal health comes from addressing all areas of us as human beings, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Through expert interviews, I hope to both inspire and enable you to create sustained change in your own life. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy. Happy Tuesday, everyone. I have been so eager to release this interview with Dr. Julie Kramer. Such a beautiful, fun, incredibly informative interview on Chinese face reading. Julie introduces us to what Chinese face reading is, some of the ancient history and studies that really go into this art and this form of reading and understanding the body. We talk about a lot of different things. First of all, it's so in-depth, so we only, I think, I feel like we just scratched the surface of this. And in today's episode, we focused a lot more on the different markings on the face and different shapes of different areas of the face and what they communicate in terms of personality traits and also past experiences that might still be affecting us. We even had a moment where Julie was noting some of the markings on my face that she was seeing even just in our interview and what she shared in relation to what those markings mean was so 100% spot on with my own life. I definitely want to have her back on to do another episode on face reading related to physiological imbalances. So hopefully we all have that to look forward to in the future because she is such a light. I think anyone who listens to this, you'll be able to feel her empathy and passion and sincerity just getting absorbed into you through through the sound of her voice. It was such a pleasure to get to interview her and I actually had the pleasure of doing a face reading with her. She did a full face reading. It was so in-depth and again just so 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 spot on and she is just such a pleasure to work with. I am so attracted to people with energy like hers because it's just so soothing and uplifting. Julie gives her contact information and more ways to work with her at the end of the episode. And of course, check the show notes for a link to her website and any social channels. Enjoy! Julie, welcome to the Crescent. Thank you so much, Leanne. I'm really happy to be here. This is going to be such a fun conversation. But as always, I love to start with a little bit of an origin story. What what got you on this path? What were some of the really pivotal things that kind of helped you find this alignment that you're in now? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to start kind of way back when I was um, very, very young, you know, kind of seven, eight years old. I always had this affinity for and connection to nature, just, you know, really trusting in the natural world, you know, feeling the energy of the plants, the animals. And, um, you know, I remember climbing, there's a very famous mountain where I live in Colorado called Pikes Peak. And I was climbing, I was like, you know, I was 11 years old and I got lost. 
And then I'm like, something is wrong. And um, I was with at a camp and I just saw this deer and I had this feeling of turn around, you need to go back. And I did. And so this kind of was like the roots, right? Just something in nature was telling me just this connection. Fast forward, you know, many years and I was having some health problems and the Western medical model was the doctor, it was a gynecological problem, but the doctor was recommending a very invasive, non, you know, just didn't feel like it was addressing my body, communicating with me, right? That Mm -hmm. my body was telling me something is wrong based on my symptoms. And so I paused. Um, I am a researcher. I have my doctorate. And so I started doing a lot of research and into alternative health models. And Chinese medicine resonated with me, one, because of the connection to nature, the thousands of years of case study, right? Like it's, we have written record for thousands of years of here, this happens, this is, you know, but even more importantly, it's holistic and individualized. Each person, you might have a headache in one place and I might have a headache in the same place for totally different reasons. And that's what I loved about Chinese medicine. It was very individual but holistic within that person. And so I began um, going to acupuncture, studying on my own. And then I was given this gift to go live in China for two years. I Oh my gosh. Yeah, I lived in Shanghai from 2016 through 2018, right before the pandemic broke out. So I'm like, phew. Um, <laughs> and the, you know, when I lived there, I every day witnessed people knowing their bodies, knowing how to look at their face and say, oh, I need to eat more greens today, or, oh, I'm a little too angry, or, you know, they knew how to exercise and move. And it was just this language of health that permeated, you know, the 30, you know, 26 or whatever million people that I lived around in Shanghai. And, And when I returned home, I saw the exact opposite. I saw people not listening to their bodies, um, physically and emotionally dying, right? Like literally dying. Um, and at the very least being miserable. And I promised myself, and I talked with my husband, I'm like, can I retire from education? I've been in education since 1987 as a high school teacher, principal, camp director, like always about helping people actualize their best selves, right? That's all of my work has always been about that. And can I now do that through health and, you know, take this risk to start my business and, and begin bringing health to um, people in the West. So that, that's it. Oh my gosh. Uh, That's so, 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 so beautiful. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. It's funny. You were saying you had an affinity for nature as a child and I felt the exact same way and still do. Absolutely. But I love that you point out as well that Chinese medicine has thousands of years of history to it. And I think, especially in this more Western world, this is something I feel like I've been talking a lot about lately. It's all about the research studies and the published articles. And if there's not a research study on it, it's not true. It doesn't work. We need to prove it. And I just think we can find a middle ground there. Research studies can be really helpful when they're funded by the right people. But also that anecdotal experience and the thousands of years of experience is incredibly valuable. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that people, I think, um, you know, don't often realize, like I I switched my doctoral program in the middle because I have counseling psychology and curriculum and instruction. And in counseling psych, they were going to make me do a quantitative study. And my emphasis is helping people be their best selves. You can't quantify that. 
It, it just right. is impossible. So I wanted to do a qualitative um, study and I ended up doing an incredible study um, in, I'm also very involved in the visual arts and um, the, the participants did photographs like they did, you know, and it was observational. And the, what happens in this research, it's reductionistic. I'm sure you find that. You, it, it's not real. We don't live in a lab. You know, right. it's not where we are. We're in the world. We have stress. We have food choices all around us. We have all of these experiences. And when you get to a, um, a quantitative study, it's so reductionist. It's not the human experience. And <clears throat> excuse me, therefore, it doesn't translate as well to our health. Totally. I mean, I could pick apart. I worked as a research assistant in college and so learned a little bit about this and in public health. Yeah. But yeah, I could talk for a while about how studies are set up and yada, yada, yada. But I also love, it's so funny because just yesterday in an interview, this came up about how there's so many things. I work in emotional wellness and I use this biofeedback evox and the subconscious. And I was saying there's no we don't know how to measure this stuff. That's right. There's not measurements for this. And so it can feel trickier to, I can't work with a client and go, oh, your anger was at a 30.4 last week and now it's at a 4.4 or something. We can't measure it in that way. So yeah, it is more qualitative. And I think there's a lot of minds that run away from that. They just want the quantitative, but um but I do. I think the people who are looking for that, they're going to be drawn to people like you and me who are doing that work. So exactly. And um, it's so funny you say we can't measure. That's where Chinese medicine, what we're going to talk about today with the face reading and some of the other things comes in. They have that same dilemma. How do I know? How do I know what the role of the emotions, how it's affecting the body? How do I know um, what's going on with the heart and the liver? I'm not going to cut you open like the emperor. You know, they did this to keep the emperor and themselves alive a really long time. And they're like, I, I, I need to look what external markers are there. And that's what we'll talk about with the face reading about this emotional health or imbalance or the past, all of the things that they found a way to understand. Yeah, I'm so excited. So yeah, can you give us just a definition of what is Chinese face reading? Yes, and then we'll sort of get into how are you using it within your practice to support your clients and the journey you're kind of taking them on? Yeah, definitely. So Chinese medicine face reading, and I do say Chinese medicine face reading just because the roots are in Chinese medicine. Thousands of years ago, Taoist alchemists. So people, Taoists were very connected to nature, right? They looked at this natural world and they loved living. They loved earth. They loved life. And they're like, how can we be here longer? <laughs> you know, they also had the idea of we have work to do on this earth. We have improvement and growth. We want to get better. We want our soul. The soul was very important to them to be healthier. And what they realized by looking at nature, by looking at the body, following the rhythms of nature, what changed in the body, what was observable, what wasn't. And they come, came up with some very powerful concepts. One is this idea of our soul, which is our original face. And the soul gets shadowed by life experiences. And we need to look for this. So they did a lot of work around that how does our health affect our soul shining through? How does it, how is this health or poor health reflected in our face, in our pulse, in our tongue, in our 
um, complexion, everything about us. And then they came up with trial and error. Okay, well, if I do this with this food or this with this um, um, cupping or this um, heat, if I apply heat, moxibustion, what it's called in this area, or if I do this movement, qigong, what happens to these symptoms I'm observing? What happens to the person's story they tell me when they come tell me about their pain, their physical and emotional pain? And then how do I tweak it? right? What herbs do I do? What movements? And so over thousands of years, they came to realize here are patterns. And based on these patterns and images on the face, we can do these things. And based on these actions, the person can have their original soul shine through brighter. And we see that in the pores and we see it in the eyes. Predominantly, those are the soul because the soul is said in Chinese medicine to reside in the liver. All of our organs have a specific month during fetal development that different aspects of our soul, our animal nature, our, all of these are developed. And within the month of the soul, that's the liver. And we'll make some connections in our conversation as we go. But that, that's it in a nutshell. So based on trial and error, writing it down, we have thousands of years of written case study record, reviews, revisions, conversations, discussions. They said, okay, here's what we see. And then the map I follow um, is particularly the Lillian Bridges method, who for hundreds of years, her family used face reading. Her grandfather was a businessman in Shanghai. So funny that I was able to live there. And he used it in, as he was a bank, uh, in, worked in a bank to determine who do I give loans to for oh, wow. how long and how much. <laughs> you know, and her grandmother used it. She owned a, a sweater a manufacturing um, you know, company in California and people would come in and she would say, give them a reading. And then they would come back and she would say, have you improved? <laughs> have you gotten better? And so that's what we talk about. The face is your original face is your soul. And then it constantly changes. Your face reflects so many changes and improvements. And um, I'll come to some examples later, but that, does that help understand kind of this face reading? I love it. Yes. And I'm so excited to get into, I'm sure there's so many things, yes. but well, to, into some example. of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what it's making me think of is I interviewed a financial coach a few months back and she said she actually has all of her clients take a picture of their face when they first start working with her. And then they take a picture at the end. Yep. And her clients are shocked at how much their face has changed. And I was like, my God, I should be doing that too. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and we could link like, you know what I mean? It's definitely, there's a lot on the face, the nose, the earlobes, those all talk about money and people's relationships to money. So I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised at all. And also people have anger, anxiety, worries about money. And as those go away, the face is going to reflect those emotional changes as well. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I get like tingly. It's so powerful how communicative our body is. Oh yeah. It's, and it's amazing. And we need to listen. We need, and so much of the work you do, that energetic work, you know, like you said, is, is all about tuning into that energetic, energetic being we are. Yes. It, it's not something, I love how you said that in China, this is really commonplace. This is not something, whereas here, I think I call it like the expert mentality where we're not taught to trust ourselves or learn anything about ourselves. We need to only rely on the experts. And the experts absolutely can play a pivotal role in healing. But 
one of my goals is to make clients feel empowered and being able to understand themselves better. So yeah, it's you're oh, I'm so happy to hear that because in my work, the same thing, you know, my work is kind of when I work with a client directly, it's to give you a jump start, right? To give you the tools. And as you get confident, my happiest moment is when you're like, I got this right. I can do this. And, um, that that's the goal because everybody should know the language of their body. Wake up in the, I was talking with a, I do nutritional consulting as well. And I was talking with a client that I've been working with for about a year and a half. And she was just rattling off. I noticed this, 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 and this, and this, and I'm like, well, what do you think? And she's like this. I'm like, yes, (laughs) it's really precious. And, you know, we, we used to meet like every week and now we're down to like every six months. And so again, it's just that, um, you want people to throw away the crutches of relying mm-hmm. on others. You want others for the loving kindness, the giving, the little jump start, the reminders, but they shouldn't have to be there to be everything for you. You have everything you need inside. So totally. I love that. Okay. So let's get into some of the specifics of the Chinese medicine face reading. Okay, great. In Chinese medicine face reading, we have a foundational structure looking at the overall face, and we have two primary maps. One is called the age map, and the other is called the emotions map. Now, on the age map, we literally break down the face into 100 years, 0 to 99 and the some of the years go around the ear some of the years come down on the chin and the nose and all around the face and when we look at that age map we can tell for example if someone in you know in their 40s is going to have a health problem and we can advise them let's say they're in their 30s hey if you continue on this path you might have this problem you might want to attend to the health and that and the and it can change so looking to the future we can think about change we can't change the past so if we have for example if you have lines across the forehead if people have two lines that are split right you'll have a line a gap a line a line a gap a line what that tells us is at these specific ages in your 20s and 30s, you had a pretty intense experience. It could have been trauma. It might have been less severe. Something significant really affected you, but you didn't learn your lesson from it. If you have a line across that's connected, you had the same negative experience, but you learned from it. You were able to draw the lesson you needed to draw. So we don't have to go back there and revisit it necessarily because you've moved on from it. So if I see split, we might talk about what happened, what came up for you, what was in your experience, and what might you think you need to still unpack about that time in your life? And is it still here? So that's just one example of the ages. So any Mm. questions about the ages and how we use that information? That's really profound thinking, first of all, that we can actually look ahead a little bit. But yeah, I guess the question I would have is because I have seen this with clients where they come in, there's a lot of unresolved emotions, unresolved trauma or adverse experiences. And as we work through them, their skin clears up. Yes. Yes. Spots clear up, lines clear up. And so just as you were talking about either the split line or the straight line, yes. my question for you is if someone has a straight line across the forehead with no split, meaning they learned the lesson. Yeah. So why is that line still there? Is it, 
is, and will it ever go away? <laughs> so it can go away. Um, it can go away, not totally, like it can be subdued. It can be like minimized um, as you go if they become aware right? So if you develop awareness of, oh, here is what I learned. So they might not have conscious awareness of it, right? So like when you've got the line, it's like, all right, the lesson has been learned. This The soul has grasped what it needs to grasp, but consciously they might still have this lack of awareness. And so as you bring awareness, what you bring then is calm to the conscious mind, not mm. just the soul level. And so that's where you'll see the changes. And, you know, it's really interesting. Something that brought to mind is people doing Botox. Like I have to ask clients, do you do, have you had surgery or do Botox? And my mentor talks about, we take them where they are. If they have made a choice to erase their lines, that's a choice they've made. And it can be reflected in other areas of their face um, that uh, will tell the story of the effect or consequences of that choice, um, mm. especially in their health. And um, we see a lot of liver, you know, heavy talk, those are heavy toxins in the body. And so not only aren't you finding, you don't have the emotional cues that you need for other people to relate to, you're also kind of creating an excess of toxins in the body that can lead to future, like we might see spots that you then get treated and have more toxins. I mean, you know, and so you get to this state of sub-health um, but so ideally we love when people don't have any of that going on because then we know they're on a path to their true beauty, which is should be measured by the soul. It shouldn't be measured. Is your nose upturned or is your, you know, I mean, right. Yeah. Right. And it's, there's certainly, there just, there is a natural aging process and yes, wrinkles are a part of that. And, but I do think we, we look at those only as physiological. So we have wrinkles on our face and we just think, whatever, I had too much sun exposure. This doesn't mean anything other than I'm aging. And so I need to treat it. Yes. When we're able to go, yeah, that might be a component. That might be a small component to this, but there also might be some other things that this is communicating with me. And when we can tune into that, we can then go and resolve those deeper emotional or physical issues that are contributing to that. Yeah. And I'll give you a couple other examples. So when people have um, wrinkles coming down, this is one of the emotional, we talked about the emotional map, right? So if they have some straight lines and maybe any down from their eyes, those are called grief lines. And that means they have unresolved grief. And that relates to the lungs, the lung health. And so as they work on doing Qigong and breathing or, you know, walking more in nature and really healing the lungs, the grief eases. And we mm -hmm. see the lines. So it's dual. You can do the work, for example, that you do with that, you know, managing the conscious awareness of the grief, as well as the physiological impact of the grief. And the two together, you can see those lines disappear. It's really crazy. It's bio, it's bi-directional. It is bi-directional. Absolutely. Which is fascinating. And I've actually seen this. I don't do the, I don't do health, physical health consults so much anymore. I'm focusing really on the emotional and the evox and somatic treatments, et cetera. But yeah. I remember about a year ago, I was, someone was going through some liver detoxification and she said, I was having all these dreams of anger and all of these past anger emotions that were coming up. And I think that's such a perfect example of you're working on the physical, you're working on supporting the liver. And in that, it's also helping process some 
emotions that might be stored there, particularly anger, which is connected with the liver. So I think that's really powerful because some people aren't always ready to consciously dive into, I have grief and I need to work through that's this. Right. And I think the implications for this as us as practitioners is if I can maybe do some of that reading and go, I, I see that there's grief based on maybe lines on the face, other things. Maybe I put them on a breathing protocol. Yes. And I don't even have to explicitly say, hey, this is for the grief I see that you have. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. I love that. Um, you know, it's funny you mentioned the anger too with the, um, you know, definitely anger is the liver and um, dreaming is also the liver. If you have two, you shouldn't dream at night. You should sleep through the night without dreams. I know in the West, we love dreams. I, you know, my master's and half my doctorate are in psychology. So I get that. But in Chinese medicine, you should not even remember a single dream because that means you slept through the night beautifully. And if you're waking different times, we'll let you know um, what's going on. But vivid dreaming is a sign of a weakened liver or an aggravated, angry liver. And so you need more greens in your diet, cooked greens, ideally, and that will help you. But I, um, it brings to mind, so talking about reading, we have um, one of the questions you'd asked was about past influences. Who Who's influenced you from your past? Can you see that in the face? And we have a really powerful part called the seed of the stamp right here in between the brows. And if that is nice and wide and open, um, it's called the father's influence. So if it's nice and wide, you have a really nice wide. Um, <laughs> I do see some white. Well, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Talk about your. Life. And you can't. You, okay you can't see that? them. I can't. Oh yeah, you can't. You can't see them oh, okay. on here. But like, if I lean in, I have oh, the, the lines across the forehead. So I'm, I'll talk about the lines in between your brows. So you're nice and wide, and what that suggests again that this you know, there, there's a lot of conversation that goes behind it is that there was a very powerful um, male influence. Normally it's the father, but it could be another male role model that you were positively connected to um, if it's open and clear. The fact that you have some lines suggests that there might have either the young, the male type role model in your life growing up um, there was anger was not okay. There was very violent anger expressed. And this anger made, became, made anger scary. And this made, was suppressed. So you couldn't express your own anger, which aggravates the liver, which may, brings this line onto your face. It could also mean estrangement from this young side of yourself, this male side of yourself, or um, a son, if you're if you have a son, or a father, estrangement from any of those things, and that is what these lines that come down the brow tell us. Hmm. Well, it's spot on in terms of most. A lot of my issues yeah. are connected back to my father, and I know too because the right side of my body is where I have. I tend to have oh, most of my ailments, or more tightness, or there's just a lot of right side body stuff for me, but. Yeah, so spot on with early childhood. Yeah. There was a lot of violent anger oh. there. And so it was a very scary thing for me. And doing my own work, I've realized that I had a lot of subconscious beliefs around anger is either a 10 or a zero. There's nothing in between. And so obviously I never want to be a 10. Right. So I just can't. I can't experience anger at all. And that is certainly Crazy. a journey I'm yeah. going on. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. And a lot of it does relate back to my father. So 
very spot on. That's amazing. Yeah. And it is, it's really powerful. It, it is really powerful. And when, when you work with a client and you know this from your work and in, when I work with the clients, there's always this important notion that we are being invited in. And so you can feel free to cut it out of the audio if you need, We're because it is very personal. We're being invited in to this very um, personal space. It is a gift and an honor to be able to peer into this soul of this person and, and, and help you find that even within that anger and, you know, whatever was there, your soul was still shining brightly and your soul is still so beautiful, ready. And you can see it. I can see your shen, this beauty that comes out. Mm. And so you'll, you know, um, you've obviously done beautiful work around whatever those early, early issues were because your soul is not shadowed right now. It's really elevated. And that is the goal for you, I'm sure, as a practitioner and me as a practitioner. That's what we're elevating. That's what we're helping shine through, through this loving kindness of people's experience. Because people might say, I'm angry that I can't, I'm mad at myself or I feel frustrated that I can't express my anger. And it's like, no, no, no. Of course you had this habit. You survived. It's what you needed to do. Right. Exactly. I, I always tell clients these behaviors, these patterns that we're stuck in, it's it originated as some, usually a protective mechanism. And so if we're not experiencing anger or vice versa, maybe we do have explosive anger. It might be that the subconscious thinks this is the only way to protect us. And when we look at those patterns as, oh, this is just my subconscious trying to protect me, but it's working on an old program or an old experience that doesn't apply anymore. What I say all the time is this can help us get rid of a lot of that really destructive self-criticism and instead go, oh my gosh, I can see this habit now. And instead of beating myself up and hating myself and being so critical, I can go, thank you for trying to protect me with this habit or behavior, but I no longer need this. Or can I start to believe that I no longer need this? And that's the work we're doing is sort of dismantling all of this subconscious stuff that we've picked up along the way. And it's exactly as you said, the goal is to get us back to who we authentically are and want to be. And and that's the key. um, Our souls want to shine. And it's interesting, you know, so for me, I refer out, so like I'll do the readings and I'll do some consult physiologically in terms of Qigong and whatnot. But if I notice, I do social emotional readings predominantly because I really believe a a Chinese medicine doctor, acupuncturist is, has just more tools. They do the pulse, the tongue, the face, all of that. And so I'll refer people out if I notice an issue, like I can notice lung issue on the nose, or I can notice a liver issue in the eyes or a kidney issue in the eyes, or, and I'll say, Hey, I really advise you to find a practitioner or emotionally. I also refer out if I see, if something comes up in the reading, that's very deep. Cause I, I, even though I have my, my doctorate in psychology, I'm not practicing as a psychologist. I, I'm all about this bigger picture, holistic health that I bring to people. So you would be like the perfect person. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Like, oh my gosh. I'm totally, yeah. If you do digital con- virtual consults, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so going to send people your way. But, mm-hmm. um, because it, you know, that there is a difference between, I'm very skilled at the reading. I'm skilled at connecting to people's souls, right? That's just always have been from, you know, you can always tell when animals and babies love you, you have a soul uh, and plants, you have a soul connection with living entities. And so I've always Mm. been very blessed with that gift. Um, Yet by the same token, I have 
um, just a barrier to the healing, you know, and, and that's just something that I've had to own and acknowledge in myself that I can do the physical healing. I'm a teacher. I'm not a therapist. Does that make sense? Oh, a hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. No, that's, uh, it's so beautiful. And I, a huge part of this podcast is building that community, that community of listeners, but also that community of practitioners. And I, fully believe there is enough out there for all of us. I believe in abundance. And so I love fostering these relationships because I know that the people who need you are going to be drawn to you. Yes. The people who maybe need me are going to be drawn to me. And there's enough. There's enough for all of us. So I love being able to help shine the light on other practitioners. I love it. Um, so the other thing that I want to talk about um, when we look at patterns and a lot of people, you mentioned the financial advisor earlier, really struggle with money, right? And we look at the nose and the earlobes to have a sense of where people are at with their relationship to money. So for example, if your nostrils are really tight and really small, you have um, an, a problem spending money, making large purchases when you need to. You know, so you do have, you're financially frugal and you're able to, you know, kind of save as needed and whatnot. But when it comes time, I've got to buy a car or I need to buy a home or, I need, you know, some big investment, it can cause a lot of stress and trauma for you. And so by seeing this in the face, you're, you know, people have a lot lot of guilt and emotion around money. Like I spend too much. I don't spend enough. I have, you know, and if your nostrils are really large and flared out, you know, you can have the tendency to be a little too free with your money. And how do you think about saving for the future? And we can look at the earlobes then to say, oh, no worries. You can spend because you also have evidence in the patterns on your face that you can save. So it's okay. You've got a good balance. But if I see someone whose earlobes suggest that, hmm, they have a spending habit, but they don't have a planning for the future along with their money, then it would be really important for me to talk with them and say, really kind of be mindful of where you are with money, your relationship. So not only can we look at the past, like the seat of the stamp for the father, we also have mother. I have some beautiful mother points if you want me to talk about. Them. Oh, I'd love it. Okay. Yeah, I'll love talk it. about those in a sec. Um, but we can really help people with this you know, there a lot of people do the shopping therapy, you know, a retail therapy, right? Or they, they have issues. And we want to, the idea is to get back to what matters. And when we have financial security, all the, you know, research we talked about, weaknesses of it. So I hate to reference research, but this is corroborated definitely through lived experience and anecdotal information. When people have just enough money, right? They, they, you know, all of their needs are met. That's all they need for happiness. Beyond that, if you have so much more, you're not necessarily happier. And so where does happiness come from then? And it comes from the soul. It comes from finding your purpose in the world. And so by helping them address the money issues, we can help them focus on what really matters, which is their core being, their whole deep, deep soul to let go of that. Okay. How do we get you to enough? Mm -hmm. place. And I think, what is it? I mean, you know, a few years ago, it was 60,000. Now it's $75,000 in the West, in the US. And how do we get you to there? And that was for a family, right? That was for a family. And how do we get you to there? So then everything else you can focus on actualizing who you are. 
Mm-hmm. I just feel flabbergasted at how much information is in the face. Oh. So yes, I'm so excited to hear about the mother. And then I also want to hear you mentioned the pores and how that relates. And I would love to hear about that. Okay, definitely. Um, so for the mother, we have first off, um, it's called the mother's hairline. And when someone has a beautiful over, oval hairline with some soft hairs on the edges, that's called the mother's hairline. And what, oh, that just brings up another hairline one I want to talk about because I know a lot of people have issues with um, this next topic. What that means is that you had a very strong mother's influence and um, just sometimes it's very positive, right? You learned how to have, be very polite, very socialized. You're, you know, you're, you are able to care for others, think of others, attend to others. And when we look at the pattern of your face, we can then say, was it healthy or unhealthy? So if we look at your lips then and we say, okay, you've got the mother's hairline and you have a balance in your lips that show you can give and receive, you took those lessons in a positive direction. If we see that you only give, 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 and you can never care for yourself in the lips, then we know, oh, it was out of balance. The mother's influence could have been quite negative. And in fact, it might have been very demanding or domineering. And um, so it, it shows you that the face is not just isolated. Just like we look at the whole body, we look at the whole face to find the pattern. Yeah. So can you explain the lips a little bit more? What is this, what instantly came into my mind is like when the upper lip is like almost not there. Is that what that is? Yes. So if your, if your lower lip is, well, it's interesting. If your lower lip is dominant, that means you're very selfish. You take, 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 take. <laughs> everyone, everyone right now is looking in their rear view mirror as they're driving. And if it's, if it's too, you know, and if, if the upper lip is too much, then you, I'm sorry, vice versa. Sorry. If your lower lip is big, you give, 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 give. If your upper lip is too big, you take, 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 take. And if you have an imbalance, like no upper lip, all lower lip, then you are just, you're, you're not caring for yourself enough. And if you add to that lines above the lip, I'm going to tie that to smoking. We always think about smokers, lines above the lip from smoking. I'm going to give you a little thing. What that means is you're not caring for yourself enough. Let's say you don't smoke and you have those lines and a small upper lip. And so that gives you this information. Maybe I do it because I learned from my mother to be this way. Or if you're balanced, lower lip and upper lip are both full then you learned, oh, I can give and I can receive. I have this beautiful balance. I know it's important. I learned from my mother to have these social norms, these social mores. And I've also learned from my mother that I'm also important and I deserve the love as well. So let's take smoking. Why do people smoke? Oftentimes people smoke, and this for any of your practitioners that deal with this um, addiction in particular, they started because they weren't feeling cared for or loved. When they smoke, the nicotine, the feeling they get is this, oh, okay. Phew, right? Like it's a relief. It's an escape for them. And so they um, always are giving and not caring for themselves. So not only are they getting the lines from pursing their lips from smoking actual, the physical of it, they're also really just always external, never really truly caring for themselves. So the lines become even deeper and more exacerbated. So Mm. it's so interesting that smokers not only get it from the physiological action, but from that need that they're fulfilling as well. 100%. I think 
at the roots, right, we're always asking why, or I'm always asking why. And I think at the root of most addictions, yes, there can be tiny little genetic predisposition maybe, but what's what's pushed us there to the start is we wanted some kind of soothing for some kind of wound. And so when we can start to identify what's that deeper wound that we're trying to soothe with this behavior, then we can go about resolving that root cause. I call it the emotional root cause. Yeah, totally. And that's where face reading is such a powerful tool because we can dive into these roots. And it again, it's thousands of years over and over and over, lots of feedback, tweaks, modifications in the early thousands of years continuing to this day. And so it's really spot on. And when I meet with clients, though, I always ask, does this resonate? Because there are times where something is so subtle, it could be this way or this way. And that's where I engage the, um, that's where I engage the participant, right? The, the client with whom I'm working, because they, I might say, I'm seeing this or this and I'm like, oh, it's that right? They have that awareness and they go, and so it is very fluid as well, right? It's, and most often they're like, oh my God, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> like, how do you know me? And it's because these beautiful ancients that came before me and then they pass this legacy and tradition down, like in China, people read your face all day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah. once you know this, it's hard not oh. to see it. Oh, and it's really crazy for me. I've been watching some movies lately. A lot of, even men now are getting the Botox, these actors. And I'm like, I, I can't read you. You know, yeah. it's so crazy. But there's a little thing, like, for example, the tips of your ears, where it comes in alignment with your eyebrows or your eyes. And when do you come into your own? Is it the 20s, the 30s, the 40s? I mean, you'll, you will never look at the face the same again. <laughs> You're yes. looking at everybody going, what? And that's where you pause and you just, everyone in China does that and they make judgments and theirs can be a negative, right? Like in hiring people really use it and they use it though for good reason. And this is actually really interesting for career counselors and businesses and people who hire others because no one in most people in China, when hiring for big positions will do face reading, they're just going to do it. You learn about what kind of employee you have. So, for example, we talked about the line between the brow. It's really important that when you have this strong line, you ideally should be um, in business by yourself. You should be the leader. You should be the person that you don't have to have somebody over you. Um, it might even be hard for you to manage depending on other patterns on your face. When you have this line between the brow, it's called the suspended sword. And it um, really, you sometimes with other patterns on the face can be a good leader with that. But oftentimes you, you do better, kind of like as a lone wolf. You're really more independent. And when you have this broader expanse without the lines, you are a team player. You're going to thrive in a team. You want to work with others around you. You want to be in an environment where, yeah, give me some direction. Give me some order. I like the structure. I like the other people. And I won't feel alone or isolated. And we saw a lot of that in the pandemic where people that have this need to be with other really struggled. Um, people who were lone wolves were fine. <laughs> yes. I'm in yes. heaven. Let me do this. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's interesting because it sounds like there's two components to the face reading, which is one, it can help us understand what's imbalanced. Yes. What might need to be processed, what might what is still unresolved, but it can also help us understand it's almost like a personality test. Yes, it is. A Absolutely. little bit. Yes. 
And we do have personality measures in Chinese medicine as well. Um, we have the five element personality types. And each, each of the face, when I do a face reading, I talk about the elements as well. So for example, the points and the tips and the um, the points and tips on the face, um, the inner corner of your eye, I look at the inner canthus, you know, or the tip of your nose will let us know about your heart, the tip of your tongue. Um, the eyes also let us know about your heart, the fire element, your lips are the earth element and let us know your nose is metal money, you know, the metal element. And so we do, it is personality. Absolutely. And that's where the Fortune telling has a really bad rap. You know, people are oh, okay. people are like, yeah, why? But we are telling the future based on what your face tells us about how you were in the past. If you don't change your behavior, we can predict how you'll be in the future. So I was going to bring up another hairline point. When women have what we call the widow's peak, that's a very sensual, seductive hairline. And my um, mentor, Lillian Bridges, tells a story about she worked with 10 women and um, six of them were very upset. They weren't married yet. They couldn't figure it out. What, what's going on? And she's like, let's work on opening your fire energy, this attractive, seductive essence. And they did before photographs and they had their hairlines. And as they were really focusing on shining when they were around um, their preferred, you know, kind of partner, and they were really, you know, letting people see this shine within them, their hairlines change shape to actually have more of a widow's peak. And oh of the gosh. group, like four of them got married within a couple of years. And they had, so it was, it's kind of crazy that, yes, we can read the future, but we can also shape the future. And that's the message I really think is empowering for your readers. You can, I noticed during um, the pandemic, I was getting two lines over the brow, our skepticism. And I realized I was reading too much media. I was um, reading too much of the news. And I just was like, I, it doesn't matter what I think or what I do. I have my information. I'm a researcher. I go to the studies. So I go back to right. the studies. <laughs> and I did. I have my answers. I'm good. And I'll bring up, new, you know, read new research as it comes out. And I stopped all of that and the lines went away they were deep <laughs> and I'm like what? wow yeah. wow no that is really profound because I say this all the time it's never too late to shift the pendulum in the other direction or if it's a downward spiral to get that spiral going up it's never too late and yeah. it's never too late to start to feel more peace and authenticity and joy yeah and these are all tools that can help us achieve that. Yeah, absolutely. And and that, you know, kind of brings us full circle to those ancient Taoists. What did the ancient Taoists want? They wanted to live a long life because life was so beautiful. That's the entire foundation. And as you do your emotional work, your financial work, your history, your past work, all working through all of these different aspects, love, love is so big. Like our eyes also tell so much about how we love and give and receive love. Um, as you do that, life becomes pleasurable. Life becomes joyful. And isn't that our ultimate goal to feel that joy? And when we feel that, Oh yeah, I want to live longer. <laughs> I want to be around my body. And you cannot change your face without changing your physical health. You can't do it. As you change one, the emotions, first of all, all disease comes in Chinese medicine from the seven emotions. They harm the body or heal the body. 
And so um, you will be physically healthier as you do the work on your emotions and vice versa. Do the work on your body and you'll be emotionally healthier. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why the core tenets of my business are at some point we need to address physical, emotional, and spiritual health. Those all need to be addressed if we ever want to get to, but it's beautiful that in addressing one, it can support the other and vice versa. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. One of the things that came up in my mind was it's making me curious to go look back at some old photos from 10 years ago or so and see what has shifted because, you know, especially as you were talking about the lips and I, I, I mean, it's, you know, it's hard to say, I'd say they're, they're fairly balanced, but I know that I wasn't a receiver. I gave, gave, gave to the point of depletion. And so what it's making me wonder is, yeah, 10, 15 years ago, was that upper lip a lot thinner? Yeah. It's fun. You know, it's fun to kind of think about looking back. Yeah. And I love it. Definitely go back and look and you will see difference. And it, and, and here's the other thing, this, what Lillian also talks about is if there's something on your face that you don't like, if you don't like a wrinkle, tape it because that happens when the emotion is triggering that, that part of the face to activate. And so when you tape it, you're creating awareness, not just, oh, my move my face that way. You're creating awareness of the emotion that triggered that physiological action. Yeah. So that is really kind of a fun thing you're, you know, people can do. And so look at the past. Definitely. And I would love, I'm sure you had changes. Um, if you've done all this work, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I would love to hear about the pores Okay, and what that might be connected to. The pores are connected to the heart. Um, the, um, the skin on the face in the skin in the body is related to the lungs and the skin on the face is related to the heart, the circulation and the heart, um, is all about the joy, right? And the soul coming through and the soul is in the liver, but when the joy of the soul comes through, it's the Shen, it's the, the spirit that comes out. So when your pores are blocked and you have this, this you know, the fats, the oils, the blockages that tells you your circulation and joy are low. And so you get these impactions, right? You get these, um, when people have pimples or, you know, whatever. Um, and so they don't have the, the joy that they need to clear and purge the system to let the pores be healthy. Also, if the pores, as you age, they expand and that I didn't even talk about Jing essence today. And that is the foundation of everything. Jing essence. When your parents conceive you, you are getting money. You receive money in the bank. We have three sources of sources of energy Our Jing essence, the air we breathe and the food we eat. And the gene essence, unlike the other two, you can never get more of it. It's whatever you got at conception. That's Mm -hmm. what you have. And it lives in your kidneys. You can keep that account full though. If you eat well and you exercise and breathe deeply, you never use the gene essence. You use little bits, right? It's for reproduction. It's for the kidneys are all about your reproductive system, your sexual health, your um, fear, emotions of fear or longing. Um, and the bladder, those are tied. So this gene essence, it goes down because we're not perfect. We don't eat perfectly. We have fear, we have trauma, and that depletes all of that. So as that goes down, the everything else becomes a little weaker. That's why when we age, everything's a little saggier, a little, the pores are a little larger, but 
um, even though that the pores might get a little weakened because the circulation just can't be as strong, your eyes will always shine as much as they need to. They are going to be the true reflection mm -hmm. of your spirit your and your Jing essence until the moment. You hear stories of people who had the sparkle in the eye the day they died. They're in their hundreds, right? Because they lived in alignment with their soul, their mm. spirit. And so that does that make sense? This heart, this joy, this energy will let you know, are you out of balance? And there are other factors that affect the pores. Liver being, for example, one, digestion, very important because when those are weak, the spleen and stomach pancreas, we call the spleen system. And the liver gallbladder, we call the liver system. And when the, those are out of balance, the heart suffers. So a lot of people with heart disease need to fix digestion first, and their heart will be strong. Mm. Oh my gosh, it's so interconnected. <laughs> it is. We are holistic. We are. Yes, yeah. which is the exact opposite from unfortunately, a lot of conventional care models, which is everything is acute and distinct and separate. So right. it's beautiful. And it's so wonderful to have practitioners like yourself who are so well versed in this because it is complex. Yeah. We are beautifully intricate and yeah. absolutely we as individuals can learn so much about ourselves, but it is so wonderful to be able to turn to individuals like yourself to get that really deep holistic integration of everything. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. And likewise for you, right? Like, um, it just, you know, what you do, what you bring in terms of, I loved what I saw, um, the nutrition, the mind that, I mean, like you said, the mind, body, spirit, it, it, it is one, we can't separate them. They're just, it's just impossible. And what I love, again, we go back to, you know, you came to work probably intuitively, right. And I saw even in reading about like how you had your journey and, um, it, it is an alignment with what someone connected to nature, connected to their soul, right? Connected to the deepest part of who you are. And you opened yourself up to feeling into that. So your listeners, right? The people, um, the practitioners and the, and the people who listen to improve their own condition, trust themselves, trust your journey. You know, you, you, it's there for you. This energetic is there singing for you really like I listen to me and I'm a little story if I can tell a quick story about Absolutely. that so my mentor Dr. Um, Zhang um, who Zhang Yifang she's a consultant for me and I've studied with her and she was my doctor in Shanghai she's written books and oh she's just so oh, she's amazing but one of the things she teaches is that when we partner with our body our healing exponentially increases because our body senses the partnership. Um, oftentimes in the um, aleopathic model, this conventional model, the body's the enemy. We're warriors. We're fighting it. We're boom. And what she says is, no, when you massage an acupressure point, when you touch or you do the needles or whatever you do, your body listens. And it's like, Oh, thank goodness you're helping me. <laughs> you know, yeah. so when you put beautiful food in your body, your body's like, oh yeah, you know, we're going there. <laughs> you know, I am gonna help you. So realize your body is not your enemy. Your body is the most important partner. And I know I'm speaking of it separately in this moment because I think the metaphor is helpful, right? We know you are one, you are your body, but just energetically thinking of this physical aspect of yourself and loving that physical aspect, like look at your face and look at like your face, your body is doing so much to help you 
be this beautiful soul. And so I just want to share that, that you're, you're, you are on the right path and tune into that. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. And what it makes me think about when one of the reasons that I get so sad when we hear this negative self-talk, when we hear this, my body's betraying me, I get why it can feel that way. I felt that way, but it's so true. It's like sending that. There's two things here. One, like you said, our body is sensing that our spirit is sensing that almost rejection of self. Yes. Yeah. And I think if we want to take it a layer deeper, that rejection of self we're doing on a daily basis is wounding us again and again and can potentially be triggering and re-traumatizing that inner self that maybe for many of us felt ignored and rejected and unworthy through childhood. And I think a lot of us are unconsciously feeding those wounds yeah. by rejecting ourselves. And so I love to just share that message of the body, the mind, the spirit is only here to protect you. And when we can shift into that mindset, so much can start to shift with it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I, actually, <laughs> I don't know what to say. I mean, that's, that's, I mean really, you captured it beautifully. Like that's exactly what it is. It's so powerful. Mm. Yeah. So I'd love for you to share how individuals can work with you. I want to reach out for a face reading. This sounds so fantastic, but I'd love for you to share. And of course, I'll make sure your site is also linked in the show notes okay. as well. Yeah, great. Um, they, I have a page on my website, um, which you'll have the link, radiantshenti.com, and I'll give you the face reading link directly, where you can do two things. If you want to just dabble it first, I have a free eye reading PDF little booklet that you can download, and you can practice just reading not all of your eyes. Their eyes are so complex, but I give you some key ideas to start reading so you can feel comfortable looking at your face. And then um, from there, and even before, if you want to do both, you can sign up to do a face reading and I will email you. I'll ask for specific photographs and every single person without fail, when they send me the photographs, they're like, oh my gosh, I look horrible or oh my gosh, all this. And I'm just like, you think you look horrible now, but by the end of the face reading, you're going to feel beautiful. And mm. you know, so it's really, um, and, and then we set up, I take, it takes me about a week to do each face reading. I really, um, I, because the pattern has to evolve. So I'll do the initial face reading and then I'll look at the whole, um, you know, and I didn't even talk about the zones of the face, but I'll, you know, really do a whole assessment. And then um, after that, I revisit it. That gives me that week, gives me that time to revisit and reassess the pattern. And then we meet. It's about a 45 minute meeting. And from there, um, you know, I can give recommendations. I have a, a membership where we do a lot of uh, Qigong, nutrition, facial gua sha, which is using stones to heal. So you can connect with me deeper on a more regular basis there. If we do find that you have some emotional, psychological work you'd like to do, um, we can talk about what kind of practitioner might be solid and good for you. And we can also talk about um, physiologically. Did anything come up that we have recommendations? And so those, you know, are the different ways people can initially get connected, stay connected if they love it, and then really find other support networks for them to do the work, like you said, really do. The mm -hmm. It's such a great way you're coming up with a really clear roadmap for them. Yeah. Definitely. And then where you can support that roadmap, you're there. And then where you refer out, you refer out. But yeah. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Julie, thank you so much. I cannot wait. I think people are going to just eat this up 
because it was so, so fascinating. Well, I mean, and I know, I'm sure there's so much more. Like you said, it's so in-depth, but that was beautiful. Thank you so much you're for so your welcome. time. And thank you for your time and energy and for allowing me to share this really powerful tool with anyone. I feel so honored and privileged. Thank you, Leanne.